Getting rich can be boring. It's, it requires patience and time. But on the other hand, I like to think of it as a game. This is a whole big game of looking at, okay, what kind of amazing thing can I create that's going to really impact a lot of people? Because revenue is directly tied to impact. And so when you think of it from that perspective and you have a specific goal you want to be hitting, then I, in my opinion, I think it still remains fun. This is the Ideas Lab podcast, where you can learn from great creative and entrepreneurial minds how to turn your ideas into original businesses, books, and brands. Because in a crowded world, it pays to stand out. This is your host, John Williams, best-selling author and founder of the Ideas Lab London. Let's talk about money. Once you start working for yourself or launch your own business, money gets a lot more complicated. You need to keep track of what you're earning, what you're spending from the business, what you're spending personally, and of course, save money for taxes. Because there are many entrepreneurs who have found themselves in a tricky place once their tax bill arrives. Amber Duggar helps entrepreneurs manage their money, build their profit, and spend it on the things that really matter to them. Amber has also worked closely with Michael McCallowitz, the author of the hit book, Profit First. So if you currently find finance to be a rather dry and boring subject, we're going to prove to you that finance is actually really exciting and tell you how to make sense of it all in as little time as possible. Hi, Amber. Thanks for joining us. Thanks so much for having me, John. I'm really excited to be here. Now, we're going to talk about money. And while I'm um, excited about money, as most people are, and I love making it, and I'm quite good at it these days. Like a lot of creatively minded people, I'm not actually all that good at managing it. So accounts is something I find really boring. And I thought it was a chore I had to do, but you know, you partly when I met you in Bali and we had a chat over dinner, you explaining the kind of principles we're going to talk about in a moment. I began to realize that actually this stuff's quite important. What you do with the money is really important. And one of the things that, um, I notice with creative people, particularly, or people who are just beginning entrepreneurs, and they're not naturally kind of person who thinks about money and finance. All they think about is, I just need to make some money. I just need to get some cash in. And is that a good strategy, or is that are we missing something when we're doing that? Because we do need to make some money, right? Absolutely. I mean, money is the lifeblood of your business. It's a cash that it just it comes in and it really helps you do things with it. So it's absolutely important. But um, from when you're first starting out in business, one of the best questions you can ask yourself is, why am I doing this? What is it that I want to do with the money that comes into my business? And when we get really clear with why we're going into business for ourselves, what we wanted to actually pay for, we can get more specific with our goals, with our strategy in being able to feel confident about how we're selling, what we're selling, and how much money we're bringing in. So there, there can be lots of different ways to do it, but I always suggest actually dreamlining in the very beginning stages of just writing out things that you want to actually accomplish with the money that comes in, and then figure out how can I make sure that I'm going to actually be paying myself regularly. So finding out how much you want to be making to be able to pay yourself a certain amount per month. 
And I have a whole process where you just take four things. You just want to know how much you want to pay yourself each month, what your business expenses are each month, and then reverse engineer a calculation so that you have a revenue goal that will cover profit, taxes, how much you want to pay yourself and business expenses. And then you have a number that means something to you. And that's a huge thing in the beginning because we're now emotionally connected to it. Now, that's really good. So this is your free profit calculator that people can get to on your site. Uh, Reminds of your website. We'll, we'll talk about it again, again at the end. But Sure. It's amberdugger.com slash calculator, and you'll be able to get that revenue goal for yourself. Yeah. And I had a play with it and it was really interesting. And I think, again, what a lot of us do right at the beginning is like, we get some money in, I'll pay myself. I'll get some money in, I'll pay myself. That's you, what you're saying is you don't, op- if it's not a good idea to operate like that. Well, it's, it's human, right? Like this is, this is natural human behavior. So if you're doing that, that's completely fine. That's how we all know how to use money, but we can trick ourselves into using it more efficiently. So instead of having just one bank account with, with money going out all the time, having a system in place where you're actually taking that pile of cash that comes in and just simply organizing it into four piles or four intentions. And that will help you then be able to track where your money's going. So All right. So is this an idea from Profit First? Because I think we should probably talk about that. So the Profit First is a book that's been massively popular, written by an American author, Michael McCallowitz. And he's also written a number of other big books. The Pumpkin Plan was a big one. He's got a new one called Clockwork. And you got involved with working with him quite closely. Um, do you want to explain what the principles are that Michael came up with in, in Profit First? Yes, absolutely. So Profit First um, is, is such a simple concept and it's something that everyone, once they hear it, they go, oh my gosh, why have I not thought to do it like this? So I'll give you a little backstory. Mike was um, had just lost pretty much everything in his business. He, he was down to the last $10,000 in his bank account and he had a tax bill that I think was like twenty or 25000 And it was incredibly devastating, as you might imagine. And so he was spending a lot of time watching infomercials. And there was an infomercial with a nutritionist that came on that said, okay, I'm going to show you how to lose weight without changing any of your behavior. All we're going to do is change the size of your plate. So instead of eating everything off of a big plate, you're going to eat everything off of an 80% the size of the normal plate. And that will allow you to then eat less and you'll lose weight. And watching this, he was thinking, oh my gosh, why haven't I done this with money? Like Parkinson's law, we are going to use whatever we have available to us. So if we have all this money in a bank account, then we're going to use all of it. That's our human behavior, human nature. So he came up with this concept of basically paying your business first. And that's where the name comes from, profit first. So when money comes into your bank account, you immediately separate it out and take a portion of it and move it to profit and a portion of it and move it to owner's pay and a portion going to taxes so that you always have enough money to pay your taxes and the rest of it left over. That's what business expenses are for. And so then you can still do the same behavior. You still have a certain amount of money that you have for expenses, but you're not taking everything that you have. Right. Okay. And so... The uh, what happens with the profit that you're putting in in the profit category? That this is different from what you're paying yourself. 
Yeah. So a lot of people have that question. They're like, what am I doing with this money? (laughs) (laughs) And so the first idea of it is to have it accumulate so that you can create a buffer for your business, a savings for your business. And he recommends about three months of operating expenses be your goal for that account. Um, And every quarter you can do what's called a profit distribution. So let's say that each month you're bringing in money into your business and you've implemented profit first. So every time you receive money in, you're separating it into those four categories. Some people use bank accounts, some people use an envelope system, but you want to have some way of organizing the cash as it comes in. So at the end of the month, you're going to have a certain amount sitting in a profit, a certain amount sitting in owner's pay, taxes, and business expenses. And then at the end of a quarter, you're going to have all the money that's been accumulating in the profit account for three months. So that's going to be sitting there, and it's going to be really enticing. And you're going to then be able to give yourself a profit distribution. So what he suggests is you take half of what's in that account, and distribute it to yourself as a bonus, as a reminder that your business is working for you and not the other way around. And if you have any debt that you want to eliminate, then he suggests that you actually take 99% of that distribution and put it, apply it towards your debt. And the other 1%, no matter how much it is, you're going to take it and celebrate with it. So I've had clients go and take themselves out for a kombucha and do a money money date with themselves and just talk about it and review the quarter. Um, but this allows you to really get ahead on eliminating the debt so that you can really create your own leverage. So I like to think of profit as like your own leverage. Right. Yeah, I will allow the idea of taking it out and treating myself. I bet sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. It's my favorite time of the year. So how did you get involved with Michael's business? So we met back in 2016, and I had recently become a Profit First professional, and I had been invited to become a master-level Profit First professional. And one of the um, benefits of that was to get coached by Mike at the time. And so we were having regular calls with one another, and we were just really hitting it off. And um, he eventually said, you know, I really want to be coached by you. And so I, I, we started working together a little bit more extensively, and um, it just grew from there. We have a lot of similar values, but very different ways of applying things. And so uh, we were able to work on you know, wealth consciousness and really looking into the money or the mindset of money. Because money is 99% emotional and behavioral. So when people say they're not good with money, it's more that there's a relationship with money that typically there's, there's something that needs to be explored there. Right. Okay. Is it, so I'm interested in this um, wealth consciousness thing. What what does that mean? I mean, um, ha, is there a way that we can spot that perhaps our wealth consciousness is a little bit out of whack? Mm. Well, so a lot of times when someone is resistant to looking at their numbers or resistant to using a cash flow management system, it has a lot to do with some under deep underlying um, beliefs around money or also perhaps some fear of actually seeing what they're going to see. And um, so most of most of any sort of like resistance comes from fear. And we mostly have fear because we don't understand it. And 
my mission is to really show entrepreneurs how simple money really is. We just have an industry that is absolutely bent on making sure that we're confused because a, a confused consumer will just take the easy, like, okay, yes, we'll take the funding or we're just going to do this a certain way and not look at it. But it creates so much stress and anxiety and we don't actually have an outlet to talk about it because most people that do have these feelings are are not um, feeling comfortable sharing it and so that can also cause some additional you know just contaminated time thinking about it because we all know that time is more valuable than money right so when we have time being spent on things that there's a simple solution for it's really taking away from your own fulfillment and from the impact that you're making with your clients. So I don't know if that really answers the question, but basically if you're just feeling like there's just any sort of resistance to looking at money, that can be a good sign. Yeah. And you work with people on this. You run a program around, around finance and wealth consciousness, is it? Yeah, I, I, I do. It's called profit for keeps. And it's for entrepreneurs, both starting out and for those that are making good money. They just don't see evidence of that in their bank account or they're feeling stress about money. Um, and so what I found is the most efficient way to really feel abundant and feel calm and clear about money is a combination of two things. It is a practical, practical tools that absolutely matters, but it's also a combination of wealth consciousness. And those two things, one or the other, will get you there, but not very quickly. But together, it accelerates it to a point that I haven't seen before. Um, so it's creating space for the money to come in. It's creating an intention for the money that does come in. It's looking at the purpose that you want to assign the money as it comes in. Um, and also feeling the way that you want to feel with the goal that you have in mind now. All of those things paired with an organizational system that you understand and that you can say, I've got this. This is not that hard. I know what to do with this money. This has nothing to do with accounting. It has nothing to do with taxes or bookkeeping. That's so confusing. And even accountants get confused about it. But we all know that if we receive 100 you know, bills, that we have 100 bills in front of us. And if we take 40 away, we have 60 left. We all can do that. Right. So it's just it's looking at a different aspect of money and knowing that you absolutely can do it. Yeah. No, that sounds good. Sounds like something a lot of my clients could benefit from. So <clears throat> is it true that I, I imagine a lot of people actually a lot of people don't get bookkeepers, do they? But a lot of people try and do their own bookkeeping. But if they then go and get a bookkeeper or an accountant, they imagine but they but that now that's sorted. So they don't need to worry about those kind of things. They don't, that's what the accountant is for, or that's what the bookkeeper is for. But I think you're not really a fan of that way of thinking, are you? Not really, no. <laughs> and why is that? Uh, well, it, it is totally normal to think that. I mean, honestly, that we have, there's a reason why we have a big crisis right now with cash flow management. So if you look at it, um, there's a, there's a quote that I think it's 87% of small businesses fail uh, due to cash flow issues. But what's really interesting, and this was something I noticed in corporate, we have a CEO, a chief executive officer, right, that does the strategy and the vision. We have a chief operating officer that does all the operations. 
We have a chief financial officer, which you would think would cover this area. But in my experience working in different multi-million dollar corporations, most CFOs are glorified accountants. They're glorified controllers. And it's because they don't have a really great system to handle that. And that's what they also know. So they're helping the controller more than anything else. And for those that aren't familiar with the different uh, types of, of like controller versus CFO, it's all just accounting stuff. It's like making sure that they can report to the, uh, to the IRS or uh, to the tax council. So one thing that we don't have is a cash flow officer. Mm. Notice it's the number one reason that we all that businesses fail and we don't have a cash flow officer. Like that just doesn't make sense to so me. That's, so that's like, so a business can be making money and have lots of sales coming in. But if they, for instance, get paid later and they have to pay stuff out now, then it just breaks the entire business. Is that the, the kind of problem that you're talking about? Yes. The timing of cash flow is what most controllers and CFOs are focusing their time on because they have these bills that they need to pay but they don't have the money yet. And so then they're looking for, they may open a line of credit so that they have additional money. And so it starts to get complicated. But just imagine for a moment, a company that's running where they know how much they need for a month. So they know how much they need for all of their business expenses for, you know, whatever, for paying themselves, et cetera. And imagine having in the bank two to three times that amount in the bank. So that way, when money is coming in, the timing doesn't matter anymore because they have everything covered for the next 90 days from a cash perspective. And so now they're really looking in a strategic view of, okay, I know I need to make this amount of money this month. It's not actually going to be used until four months from now, but I still know that this is what I need to do. Just gives you more time to make decisions. And so the cash flow officer would be able to help with that. Um, That's an interesting idea. Yeah, I like that. And so um, do you have particular software recommendations or you're agnostic about those things? Uh, often when people start their business, they, you know, well, well in the old days, people didn't buy uh, an app to do something. But now there are lots of online services and apps that are designed to help people right at the beginning starting a business to track their finances. Do you have any, I, I, I use zero for instance, and my accountant will issue my VAT returns from zero and everything else. He's wired up everything now. It's like his giant brain where everything is going into it, the shopping cart and the payment processor and PayPal and Stripe and whatever else. So, um, but is, is the one that you recommend? Are you a fan of zero or is there something else? Yeah, so Zero is great. It's a bookkeeping software. So again, in my opinion, a bookkeeping software is whatever your bookkeeper feels most comfortable using. So um, Zero is great for businesses in the UK, Australia, New Zealand. I do have it as a US-based business, but my bookkeeper is not very happy that I have it. Um, it isn't. It wasn't built for a US business structure, so some US businesses seem to have trouble. But it's just a different way of looking at it. In my opinion, I think Zero is an amazing software, and I like their reporting capabilities. Um, from a cash flow perspective, 
So I, before I answer your question about software, I want to just talk a little bit about the difference between a bookkeeping software and a cash flow software, because I think it will really help um, this. So when you think of a bookkeeper, a bookkeeper is looking backwards. It's making, and it's an important function. So this, this person is making sure that all that's happened in your business is reported properly to your accountant. So your accountant can make sure that you don't pay a penny more or a penny less than what you actually owe for taxes. And that's, that's those functions right there. They do not help you though with making sure that you're making enough money in your business or that you remain profitable. Their function definitely isn't to look strategically forward about cash flow and what, what's going to be coming down the pipeline. Now, some bookkeepers definitely try to help with this, but they aren't trained to do this. The best person that can do this is the person that actually knows the business, and that's typically the owner or the CEO of the company. And that's because you know exactly what kind of money you can bring in, what offers you can you can give. You also have more control over the price, the investment that the clients are making with you. And so um, a cash flow software or a cash flow system is helping the owner figure out what to do with the cash that's in the bank account right now, <laughs> giving it intention and purpose for that money and seeing how much do I need to actually make in the next month to cover everything. Because I've had this situation where I've done a launch and some of the course has been sold and so I've made tens of thousands of pounds or something and... I'm looking at this this lump of cash in my account, and I have no idea how much of it is mine. Because this is in the old days. Um, yeah, I'm a bit better at it now, but but like, okay, I've got however much money, and then there's some more money coming down the line when people pay because some people are paying installments. I've got some of this is VAT, our sales tax in the UK. Um, some of it is, of course, going to be corporation tax eventually. When I pay it to myself, I need to keep uh, some money for personal taxation. So, um, and, and then there's expenses, running expenses for the company. So how do I even, it's a weird question to come up with, but I realized, I thought, I don't know what this money means. I don't know how much of it is mine. And I don't know, am I, am I rich yet? I don't you know. Like, so what is the, what you're saying is the, you know, a bookkeeping thing is not going to tell you that it's just going to tell you, this is where the money came from. And it might be able to tell you the VAT that's due or something like that. But other than that, it, or do an approximation of it. Um, but it can't tell you like, this is how rich you are, John. This is how much of this money you can spend. This is how much the company uh, is going to be spending over the next three months or whatever. So you're saying there are other systems that help you to do that. Yes, yes. And and so it's kind of like, think about it back, you know, 150 years ago, every business was cash based. We didn't have a lot of other options. We didn't have electronic systems. And so a business was not in business unless they had cash. And it would be like having a business back then, 150 years ago, and taking all the money that comes in and just throwing it into a file cabinet, like just one big pile. Yeah. <laughs> saying, yep, that's what I'm going to do with it. I don't know. I'll just, when I need money, I'll just open it up and take some out. Um, but back then they had ways to organize their cash. And so they would say, okay, well, I know I need to pay 
the tax man when he knocks on my door next Tuesday and I don't want to be taken to jail. So we're going to have that available for him on Tuesday and they put it away in a specific envelope. And they do the same with expenses that were coming up. And so they would organize it in a way that allowed them to see that, yes, visually, we have enough money for these things. So fast forward 150 years, we're now at a point where we have the ability to do that, but it needs to be done in a different way because we don't have the cash in front of us. We're not sitting and just getting piles of cash all the time. Everything's in a number and some sort of login. So the best thing that I've found is an electronic envelope system. And there's many out there. I'm personally partial to one called YNAB. It stands for And don't everyone shudder when they hear this word, but it stands for you need a budget. And they use that word budget because they know everyone knows that budget means money, but it's not actually a budget. (laughs) It's what they call a zero dollar budget or an envelope system. And that's where you're basically taking all the money that you have in your accounts and organizing it into specific intentions. And so then instead of looking at your bank balance, you're looking at, do I have enough money to pay my coach next month? Do I have enough money to pay myself next month? Do I have enough money to pay all the different software that I'm currently using, like Acuity Scheduling or Zoom or any of those things? Yeah, right. Yeah, that sounds good. You Need a Budget, I believe, is available in the UK for anyone listening in the UK. I think, I have a feeling it doesn't yet connect to all the bank accounts automatically because in the US, it, it does do that, doesn't it? So it can pull in the data from your personal. Is it, is it for, your, it's for your business then? It's not for your personal accounts? Actually, their target market is personal expenses or personal um, budgeting. And so when, actually, this was when I was in Bali, they just started connecting the bank accounts. So back in 2016, Uh, was the first time that they ever had any bank accounts connected. And for a really long time, YNAB refused to have the banks connect because he felt that it was actually better for the user to always be doing everything manually so that you could see exactly where things were going. Um, So I used it for many years without it being connected to a bank account. And there's a way to do it where you have a lot of recurring transactions. You're not having to enter everything in. Um, but I do have several clients in the UK that have used it. I have clients in Australia, New Zealand, all over Europe that have also used it without connecting the bank accounts. And there's also a way to import in transactions. But here's the thing. The idea behind YNAB is for you to be acting as if all your money was in envelopes. So if you before you make a spending decision, the best habit is to be looking at it and saying, do I have the money for this? And if you don't have the money for this, can I move it from another place? Because now my priority is higher for this. And so I need to take down the priority of something else that I have put aside money for. So it gives you that position of making those choices, those empowered choices, but also ensuring that you're not putting yourself in a point of financial crisis by spending the money that you don't necessarily have. Even if you have thousands of dollars in your bank account, if they're all allocated for other intentions, then it's giving you that opportunity to actually make that decision with knowledge of, yes, I don't currently have money for that particular thing, but I can move it from here and I'm fine with that. Yeah. Okay. That's interesting. Perhaps I should check that out. I feel like I have a lot of systems already. 
does it does it integrate with zero or does it not do not it, it's just about connecting to banks and or maybe putting my data in okay but that might be a, a good thing i've got a friend who helps me with that kind of financial planning for the business so he might be able to enlist his help to do it um so that's interesting it's it's it it is an interesting subject i know i always found this too dry to deal with in the past but it's i'm learning that um uh as a as a coach over here dan bradbury told me when i was on his i went and did a, a finance workshop with him he said um the, when we were having a, a beer in the evening he said uh getting rich is boring so what it requires is you to do things regularly and repeatedly which are not that exciting so the core work might be exciting and also getting the money. You know, he's had Ferraris and things like that and and he's he's had everything money can give you. But um, but the actual process of getting rich actually requires a strange, dull consistency about what you do. So you have to do good work and all the stuff I help people with about standing out really, really matters. But you also need to turn up and track your finances and, you know, you need to deliver the things that you've sold and you need to, you know, make sure you update your blog every week. If that's what you plan to do, that's what you said you were going to do. So it's those kind of regular things that make a difference. And I, and finance is one of the most, most important, isn't it? So it might mean manually loading data into your cash flow uh, system or something like that, I guess. It, it, it kind of goes back to what you focus on grows. And I can say that those that have implemented this system have definitely seen the benefit of that. And their stress levels have gone way down because they're spending five minutes a day looking at it and seeing what transactions have happened and what money they have available to them. So I agree, getting rich can be boring. It's, it requires patience and time. And But on the other hand, I like to think of it as a game. This is a whole big game of looking at, okay, what can I, uh, what kind of amazing thing can I create that's going to really impact a lot of people? Because revenue is directly tied to impact. And so when you think of it from that perspective and you have a specific goal you want to be hitting, then I, in my opinion, I think it still remains fun because you're hitting the revenue goal and you're seeing all these amazing people get results. And at the same time, you're seeing that start to grow as you, as you use your system. And I think also what I'm realizing is it takes a, a shift of focus, which is, you know, the beginning you just go like, can I sell 10 places on this thing? Can I sell a hundred of these widgets or whatever it is? And uh, because that's a test that shows that people are going to buy, it shows that you can make money. After that, there has to be something else, which is not how am I going to magically get a thousand people to my website, you know, in one big burst, but how do I grow my traffic over time? How do I track my finances better and my traffic and my opt-ins and everything else and track those numbers and see them on a curve that goes up and track my finances so that there's consistent income that's growing. And I, I'm reading this book at the moment by Duncan Bannatyne, who is, um, we have a program over here called Dragon's Den, which is like American inventor. And um, he's, uh, he's one of the dragons who went from nothing to being a multimillionaire. And he did it by, he really thinks about the money. He really thinks about the numbers. He did stuff he really believed in. So he created a series of nursing homes, which were much better than the standard at the time. But what he did was he calculated that you could buy this much land 
and build on it and get paid this much money per room. And then it meant that you get a something like a 33% return on your entire investment every year. So it was huge. And when he calculated that, he went, oh my God, this is an insanely good business. He went to the gym one day and he was lying on his back doing some exercise of a trainer. And he looked up and he noticed the size of the tiles in the ceiling. And he goes, they're about one meter across. That, that means that if I'll count the tiles and uh, that means I know the size of this gym and I can see roughly how many people are in here. And I reckon you could get more members. That means you're going to make that much money for this much um, physical space this much physical space costs. I know how much that costs because I've been buying this stuff for nursing homes. And then he goes, that's got a good margin. I'll do that. And he went in and he made it work. So, you know, from a standing start with no entrepreneurial input as working class guy from Scotland, he worked it out. And I think that focus of, because every time he builds one of these new businesses, it gives him a cash flow for other things. And, um, and he, and he really worries about the numbers. And I think that's, uh, even petty things, when he was going for funding and he was about to make millions of pounds on the stock market, the broker charged him this random like expenses fee of uh, like a hundred thousand bucks or something, and he refused. And he was willing to trash the entire deal over a hundred thousand dollars of expenses in hotels and taxis and drinks in the bar. And um, that kind of focus over money actually meant that he became very wealthy man. So I think this is kind of, this is why I think this topic is so interesting, not just about what you do and how good you are and how good you are at marketing. It's how good you are at managing all this stuff. Yes. But I would say though, in that story, it's an incredible story. And it, it reminds me of this concept that money is meant to flow. Money is meant to flow in and out. And so if you think about it, um, the word currency comes from the word current. And, and so if you, th- if you think about a stream and the water is fresh when it's flowing, right? So you can go in a, in a fast moving stream and you know it's going to be really clean, pure water. But if you go to the sides of the stream where maybe a log's been wedged and there's like a little pool of stagnant water it's usually murky there may be some things in there that you don't want to touch and it it becomes toxic and so with money it's so important that it is not thought of as something that you can lose as something that's just going to be taken away from you because when money leaves money money flows out it creates a space for more money to flow in But if we are always thinking about only ways to continue to accumulate and keep money without spending it freely, then it can cause this disconnect and almost more stress and anxiety than someone who doesn't have any money. Um, So it's just something to keep in mind. Yeah. Yeah. And and in fact, uh, Duncan Ballantyne, in case people think he's just about, you know, getting loads of money, he was a nice example of that because uh, he got involved with, I think, first of all, um, orphanages in Romania. And he ended up giving more and more money and going over there and seeing the place and being a, a vocal advocate for, for improving the situation over there, which was pretty terrible. And also giving money to those causes and um, changing uh, loads and loads of children's lives in that country. So, you know, that's an example of where he wanted to make money, but also he wanted to teach other people about entrepreneurship. He wanted to um, go out to Romania and have a big impact, but again, with an eye on the the finances, so not just throw money away and 
hope somebody spends it correctly, but go out there himself and spend it on exactly what's going to have the biggest impact. So I think this this sort of focus on numbers is is becoming more and more exciting to me, having previously found the subject of finance really dull. (laughs) (laughs) That's so good. (laughs) Which is my hope. So people listen to this, hopefully will start to get the bug a little bit and and go, ooh, let's log into my finance app and see how things are going. And you mentioned a a moment ago that perhaps you go and look every uh, for five minutes every day. Is that a, a recommendation you make for everybody? Yeah. So the clients that go through my system, at first it takes a little bit of time to learn it, but once they've learned it, they're spending on average about five minutes a day. Um, some clients like to do it once, once a week for 30 minutes. Um, but it's really, when you think of the benefit and the fact that you now have so much more control and clarity over your finances, having that bit of time each day to look at it can really make a world of difference and it's time well spent. Yeah, well, that's great. So if people want to find out more about what you do and start to get their head around this kind of, um, these kind of ideas, uh, what, where should they go? To amberdugger.com? Yeah, that would be a great place to start. Um, I would recommend downloading the calculator um, at amberdugger.com slash calculator. Um, this is where you can put in how much you want to pay yourself, how much your business expenses are, your tax percentage and your profit percentage, and come up with a revenue goal that means something um, to you. And we regularly do challenges inside my Facebook group. So feel free to also request um, access to Sweet Life Purposeful Money. And in there, we take that revenue goal a little bit further and really get um, some action on, you know, making sure that all the expenses we have are intentional and what you actually do with that revenue goal. That's a good idea. So Sweet Life Purposeful Money is the Facebook group. I've just joined it. So uh, I'm in there and people can come and Say hello if you if you come and join, and um, yeah, well, thank you, Amber. That's, uh, thank you very much. And um, uh, as I say, an interesting topic for me, and probably for lots of people who find finance typically very dull. Hopefully, we made it a bit more exciting for them. Well, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Ideas Lab podcast. Please do subscribe. And if you've enjoyed this episode, it would be great if you could leave us a review. You can get links and details of everything mentioned in the podcast in the show notes, along with photos and video clips from many of our episodes. Just go to theideaslab.org forward slash podcast. Podcast.